We're going to start a new series this morning. Pure in heart. Pure in heart. This will lead us into discipleship. As we talk to you about discipleship, we're going to, this will lead us in and run alongside. Pure in heart. Psalm 51 verse 10 says, Create in me, finish it off, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then he says in Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man, any young men in here this morning, or young women, I'm young, keep his or their way pure? The answer comes by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So in both scriptures, we see the word pure being mentioned. True? Now, he uses the word pure rather than clean. And there is a strategic difference between pure and clean. It would be, I've heard very often people say this verse, creating me a clean heart, oh God. He didn't use the word clean. He used the word pure. And it's significant he uses the word pure as opposed to the word clean. See, because pure literally means, are you ready for this? Uncontaminated. Perfectly in tune. Wholesome. So, uncontaminated. Perfectly in tune and wholesome. That's pure. Where clean means free from dirt. Not marked. Free from unpleasant substances, or you could say in the case of uh, law, he's, fr- he's clean from accusation. Yeah? In other words, he has no recorded offenses. So, uncontaminated, perfectly in tune, wholesome is what pure means. But to be clean just means free from dirt, not marked. So he's actually saying, Lord, create in me the type of heart that is totally uncontaminated, Perfectly in tune and 100% wholesome. Can you see the brevity of what he's saying? As opposed to, Lord, just clean me up. Just take away the stains in my life. Clean the dirt out of my life. But he's saying, no, no, no. I want to go further than that. And he wants to use the word pure. So he realizes that clean is not half as good as pure. Very, Very often we want to be clean. And he's not playing with semantics here. Very often we want to be clean, but not pure. God wants to go deeper than just remove some stain or some dirt from us. God wants us to be uncontaminated. How many of you know Jesus Christ was uncontaminated? Jesus Christ never had any sin or any dirt or any blemishes. He never, God didn't have to remove anything from him. God didn't have to make him clean. Jesus Christ was pure. A lamb who was not, you know, who was without sin. Without sin. Amen? So we see that Christ is the perfect picture when it comes to purity. Him without sin. That's why he says to the woman, when the woman, when he wrote down and the woman who was going to be stoned, he said, let him without sin cast the first stone. He knew they had sin. But the one who was telling him that was clean. 
It was pure. And that's why he says to, that's why he says to the disciples later on, Satan, the ruler of this world's coming, but he has no hold on me. Why? Because I'm totally uncontaminated. I'm uncontaminated. I'm pure. I'm in tune with the Father. I only do that which the Father does. That's why the, the temptation in the desert was not about whether Jesus could turn stones into bread. It was not about whether he could... He would bow down or share the kingdoms. Do you know what the temptation in, in the wilderness was all about? It was to get Jesus to work independent from his father. Because Jesus had already said, I only do that which the father does. So for Jesus to turn stones into bread, father wasn't doing that. He wasn't contaminated. He was in tune. And he was pure. Amen? So... We, want to be, we don't want to be contaminated. What God is trying to, this is why the, the young man is asking, how can I keep my way pure? How can I keep my way pure? Everywhere I go, there's, there's opportunities for my heart to be contaminated. Everything I go into a store, I see things on the shelf. I see people around me. I walk down the street, I see girls half-dressed. I'm talking as a man now. I see girls half-dressed. I see nakedness. Albeit they call it the clothed. My mind is, can run amok. Constantly I can feel dirty. I can feel unclean by being in certain, pre certain atmospheres. Yes? How can a man keep his way pure? So he says, by focusing totally on God's word. Now the man who was asking the question, listen, don't you think there was sexu sexuality and all promiscuity in their day? Of course there was. The only thing they didn't have is internet. They had prostitution. The shrines were full of, you know, the places were full of prostitution. There was full of all kinds of wickedness going on. So it's a real issue. How do we keep our way pure? The young man wants to know. I still want to know how do I keep my way pure, Lord? I want a heart that's uncontaminated. I feel really, really bad when I get a sense of, you know, as the more I'm trying to keep clean before the Lord, I only have to have a little bit of sin in my life and it messes me up. Anybody feel like that? It gets a little bit, a li it's like when you've got a nice white shirt on, a little speck stands out, doesn't it? And you focus on the little speck as opposed to the, the whole thing. And that's how, we, that's how God wants us to be in our relationship with him. So that the fact is that we become totally uncontaminated, in tune and wholesome. Rather than just have 95% of our life looking good, but 5%. Listen, God got no room for any sin. No amount of sin is tolerable. Do you know that? So God's only after one thing, Purity. Purity of heart, purity of life. Now the word clean and pure run side by side throughout the scripture. You know that? So in Matthew 5 verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If you want to see God, you want to work with God, you want to feel God, enter into his presence, you have to be pure. For only the pure in heart will see God. He didn't say the clean, he said pure. How many of us want to see God? I want to be with God. I need a pure heart. So, oh God, 
in order for me to see God and to see the works of God, to see him moving in my life, I need to move in purity. Because the more I let him work in purity, sorry, work purity into my heart, the more I'll see him. He's not saying those who are pure will see God physically. He's talking about will see him working in their life. Very often we say, Lord, where are you? And God says, what's in you? Let me get what's in you out and then you'll see me. So in Proverbs 22, verse 11, he says, He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for a friend. Wow. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious. So the young man who's trying to find, how can I keep my heart pure? Well, not only did he say about, uh, what is it? Keeping your commands. I've hidden them in your heart. Now here we say, your speech is a key thing. What you say, how you say, what you say to others will determine whether you have a pure heart. Because you know when people speak, they can be very, 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 very soul destroying. Because what's in the heart comes out. And then you can, that's what stains your garment. Other people stain your garment. And then you can feel a sense of resentment towards what they've done. And then you then throw it back. True? I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. Okay. What piece are you giving her? What piece of your mind are you going to give freely away that you want to leave with somebody? It's a choice. What, part of, what piece of your mind do you want to give? It's a choice. And then you say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have said it that way. No, you're absolutely right. I was trying to tell you that before you opened your mouth. But you wouldn't listen. So he who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. Wow. What a, what a verse of scripture that is. Yeah? So we need to constantly keep asking God to give us his heart. If you want a pure heart, you must constantly keep asking God to give you it. How many of you know it just doesn't happen? Hello? It just doesn't happen. That's why it's a blessed are those who are pure in heart. We need to keep asking God to give us a pure heart. David was praying a prayer. He was asking God to give him something he didn't have. David did not have a pure heart. He committed adultery. How many of you know that's going to defile a man? Yeah? You, you know, David potentially could have run that video in his life for the rest of his life. Do you know that? She might have been a great lover. But David's now got to ask God, clean me up. Wholesome. I can never look at that woman like that again. I can never look at another woman like that again. That was my mistake. I messed up, but God, you've got to restore me. You've got to do something in my heart that will cause me to rise above that kind of temptation again. Any fellas ever been tempted to look at another woman? They all keep quiet now, don't they? Well, I've got my hand up. My wife's there. Why? Because I'm human. But I've got a choice. How long to stay there? Looking at her. Hey, these eyes were made for beauty. I recognize beauty. I recognize a good-looking woman. But it doesn't mean to say I've got to desire her. Some of you are good-looking. But I don't desire you. Thank God. Absolutely, yeah. I did say some of you. But I don't have to desire. Why? Because she's not mine. What's not mine, I can't hold. 
can't touch. I can only hold this lady. I'll, she was the one I looked at. I said, with my own, with my whole heart, I give to you. So you've got to keep there. You've got to keep the vow. You've got to keep the covenant going. Amen? A good-looking woman doesn't have to be a temptation. She doesn't. Or a good-looking man. Just balance it out, ladies. It's not all about you this morning. The young man in Proverbs is asking, how can I keep my heart pure? I'm surrounded by good-looking girls. I'm, I'm surrounded by, I'm in a society where there's no police. I can do what I want. I can go with who I want. Nobody's going to know. They won't see me on Facebook. They can't send an email. They don't know where to live. I'll get away with it. And that's how, lot of men, that's how many men fall in adultery. They go in a hotel. No one will know where they am. Boom. Beware your sins will find you. God knows where you live. So I constantly ask God to give, give him. I constantly need to ask God to give me his heart. I constantly must ask him to put a love within me. That will cause me to relentlessly pursue after him. I must ask him this. Lord, give me a heart, a love within me that will cause me to relentlessly pursue after you. I can't do it on my own, Lord. I need your help. If you can switch love on and off, if, if you control the desire of love that God wants for you to have for him, if you could generate it on your own, he wouldn't ask you to do it because he knows you can do it. I don't have the, that desire in me, that level that he wants me to pursue him, but that's why I need him. God, do something in my heart. Put something in my heart that will keep me focused on you. I don't want to do church. I don't want to have a false relationship. I want, a real, I want a real relationship. Once you meet him, once you really meet Jesus, you do fall in love. And then, here's a key thing he asks. And I've constantly pray this in my life. I ask God to give me a spirit that will, give me a spirit that will sustain me. Man's spirit must sustain him. God, you have to work on this spirit. So that I can, you can sustain me in my relationship, in my walk, whatever, you, whatever prosperity, whatever success I enter into. I must have a spirit that will sustain me. Keep me upright. Doesn't matter where I am, who I become, I need a spirit that will sustain me. Lord, I need your help. You need to give me this. And I need to posture my life so that he can give it me. It's not just saying, Lord, give it me and carry on doing what I want to do. I must change my ways. Towards his way. I have to see, I have to realize that my life is nothing but clay. And if I'm clay, then I need a potter. So Jeremiah 18 verse 3 says this. I went down to the potter's house. So he's made a journey. I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was mad. That's me. In his hands. I'm in his hands. Put yourself in this position. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. God's got the picture of what you should look like. So as you keep praying that, you get to see what you should look like. You get to see what the picture he's got for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope on the future. Well, God, show me those plans. 
then give me the desire to walk and pursue you so I can see those plans. I need to see what I'm becoming. I need to see who I'm becoming. So I can keep asking him, Lord, sustain me. Give me your spirit, Lord. I I like this man I'm becoming. I like what I'm becoming. I like who I'm becoming. Some of us don't like ourselves. That's the clay. Then you've got to say, Lord, change me. And God's got to speak. Because some of those things inside you are good. You just can't see them. Because you have a low self-image of yourself. And because people have, have, have uh, put things into your clay and mess your clay up. That you can't see what God's already put in there. So God has to speak to you from that perspective. But then there's the other side when the clay's not really good. It's full of impurities. So God has to put your life on the wheel Begin to mix it. But it's got to be in his hands. The clay was in his hands. That's the key thing. And the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does? Declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of a potter, so are you in my hand. I say this to you. The moment you you become a Christian, your life must always be in his hands. He must always be shaping you. Always forming you. And when you don't, Rise to that place. He has to put you back on the, on the wheel again. Break down the clay. Destroy the shape. Destroy the shape, the image that you've got of yourself. Destroy the image you're trying to build of what you think somebody else wants you to look like. So that you, he, he puts his thumb, his thumbs and his fingers on the inside and he pulls you up and he, he shapes, sculptures you into something beautiful. A vessel which can carry and reflect his nature and his likeness. Only, only the potter can do that with your life. So many of us want to do it with other people's lives. But you know what? I can't work where you've not allowed God to work. That's why you can't change people. You can only speak to them. But if the potter's hand is found inside your life, then what I say will help. But if his hand is not inside your life, then guess what? No amount of talking, preaching, teaching will help you. Or help me, come to think of it. People who allow God to raise in them purity develop a pure, clean heart. Do they not? You see, and when you become, when you have a clean, pure heart, you become unstoppable. You become unstoppable. Because there's one type of person on this earth that will change the world is, an, is a clean, pure, unstoppable person. Jesus said, he has no hold on me. He's unstoppable. So we've got to build the unstoppable life. Amen? The unstoppable life. And the only way we'll do that is by us God, allowing God to take us into purity. I say, this is a series. I'll show you in all the areas. I'll take you through the steps on how we need to pursue this kind of life. Amen? Purity and clean heart go side by side, but there are differences. So we want to become an unstoppable person. Young or old, you can still become unstoppable. Yeah? And you can do it with four key things. Honor, virtue, integrity, and innocence. Honor, virtue, integrity, and with innocence. Honor, virtue, integrity, and innocence. Honor is is, is a... It's respect. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have. Honour. But you know, we very rarely see it in society. Certainly in church. 
And then those who do take honor, take it to the extreme and become idols. But to honor is to respect, it's to address people with a sense of decency and respect and honor for them inside your heart. The Bible says honor one another. Does it not? So we, 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 we honor people not by whether we like them, whether they're great or not. We honor them because of who they are. We belong to the same family. So we honor people because of who they are. They don't have to earn it. Now you might stand from a distance and learn and watch a person, guard your heart, but at least you can respect them for being a fellow believer. Until you get to smell, get the smell on them, whether they're a wolf or a sheep. Yeah? Treat everybody the same until you can discern what kind of scent they carry. Amen? Virtue. To be virtuous means to show high moral standards. So a virgin is someone who carries high standards. She will not give themselves or herself. He will not give himself cheaply. True? So they keep themselves, why? They keep themselves pure, untouched, wholesome, for the right moment. That's why when we, we did the marriage of Tom and Grace, it was such a powerful thing to see two young people who had kept themselves pure in this day and age. They'd gone through all the temptations and they kept themselves pure and there they were looking at each other and that marriage night is supposed to be fantastic. Why? Because they kept themselves for each other. Lord, we should have more of a generation like that. What a great celebration when people do that. Fantastic thing. So virtue, showing high moral standards. Integrity, quality, honesty. Yeah? Again, high morals, values, consistency. Integrity is not what you do in front of everybody else. It's what you do when no one's looking. Innocence. A state, a quality that children have. But as we get older, we realize we call it naive. But we must always have a sense of innocence. We must not always see the bad. We mustn't always be talking, well, not mustn't, we must not talk sexual, you know, innuendos. We mustn't be looking, plowing around with our friends in the workplace, letting them tell that joke and chipping in. Been there. Didn't have a pure heart, you see. Fell into it. And it got me. Ended up going deeper and deeper and deeper into depravity. Started with a joke. Started with, a, with a, guys just talking, you know. Girls just talking. You know, girls and guys today are filthy. You know, and you think, well, if I don't say anything or I move away, they'll, they'll, they'll ostracize me and I'll get, so what? Stand up for something. You don't have to say anything. You can remove yourself. Make an excuse. Got to go to the toilet. Just get yourself out of the vicinity. God didn't say you have to stand up and rebuke them all. Just said, get out of there. True? And then people usually laugh at me at work. And so what? They weren't stoning me. I think I can take, oh, he's one of those religious freaks. I think I can take that rather than someone stoning me. Don't you? See, unclean people don't like the presence of God. They don't like the presence of God. You see, let me give you a, a, 
The pure live from and live in the presence of God. The pure live in and from the presence of God. I didn't say the church believer. Church believer comes to church because he believes coming to church is the right thing for him to do. I'm talking about the, the, the person who walks with God. They live in and from the place of the presence of God. Before I stood here before you, all week I'd been in the presence of God. I kind of think, you know, if, you're gonna, if, you're gonna be, if I'm going to be the minister and I'm being called to be the pastor, I need to know the one I'm representing. You say, well, that's right, pastor. We expect you to be in his presence seven hours a day. Guess what? He expects you to be in his presence. He didn't say seven hours a day because you might not have seven hours a day to do that. But you give what you can. And by that, I don't mean five minutes. If you want quality relationship, you've got to put quality time in. True? So Psalm 24 verse 3 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? Question. Answer is, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So we see a combination of the clean and the pure coming side by side. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false? Wow. How many of us lift up our hearts to false idols? One direction. Jog on. That's the only direction they need to go. Whether it's a football star, a pop star, or an entrepreneur, whoever you make as your idol, who does not lift up, lift up, or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is a generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God, O Jacob. So let's go back to the man who's asking, how can I keep my way pure? Well, you can keep it by not lifting up your soul to an idol. Or not by swear, swearing by what is false. So we're beginning to see the young man is getting some techniques now, tips of how to keep his way pure. Amen. Unclean people do not live in the presence of God. In quite fact, they feel agitated by it. They feel, why? Because we've got to remember, pure means uncontaminated. Perfectly in tune. Wholesome. Yeah? Clean means free from dirt. Marked free from unpleasant substances. But you see, when you get the clean, sorry, when you get the pure in God's heart, they just thrive in his presence. They just want more and more of his presence. They don't want to leave his presence. Why? Because purity just attracts them. And it attracts the Holy Spirit. But you see, if you're unclean in heart, what's the one thing? You always feel guilty. You feel condemned because your own heart's condemning you. And you think, if I get in his presence, he's going to kill me. Or, I don't want to go in his presence because he really won't be interested in me or I'm frightened that he'll judge me. True? So we have all these barriers that stop us wanting to get. Really, it's cleanliness, the spirit of uncleanliness is stopping you from getting in because it doesn't want you to change. But the clean and purity must go side by side. We have been redeemed, therefore we was dirty. We have had sin removed. We have had our stains removed. Amen. So we qualify for the clean, but now he wants us to be pure. Amen. We're coming from a clean, unclean background. He's made us clean. He's washed us. He's put a robe of righteousness on us. We're clean. But now he wants us to be pure. 
So we're moving from uncleanliness to cleanliness into purity. So it's a process. Amen? How many of you know since you've become a Christian, God seems to be dealing with some stuff that came from the past? So as God begins to bring it to my conscience, I can bring it out and say, Lord, that was part of my unredeemed state. I don't have to go there anymore. And now if it's affecting you still, you can bring it and say, Lord, purify it. I bring it on the altar, clean it, remove it from my life, and then I'm going to take it from there and then I'm going to move into purity. Amen? Occasionally, flashbacks come. Anybody, anybody ever experienced a flashback? And the moment you had a sin and you, God might show you something you were doing and you shouldn't have done. He might show you how it felt. You say, Lord, right now, I'm not going to let the enemy take me back to that place. I've not been there for years. But in one sudden thought, it takes me back and wants to hold me back and, and make me feel regretted and dirty and feel contained and limited. So I can either choose to dwell on that. I can say, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. I've not been there for 12 years. I've not done that for 12 years. It's in the past. Get away from it. Now, if you didn't repent over something like that, then repent. And we'll look at that as a, as a, as a subject on its own. How, pure, how repentance takes us into purity. So, I get, I, I, you know, bring it to an end. When I look at my past sometimes and I watch things on TV, my memory starts going back. That's what I was. And then feelings can come. I have to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know I was a bad boy down there. And I'm not happy about that. But guess what? That's in the past. God has cleansed me, cut it off, I'm moving towards purity. Anybody, anybody ever had that experience? James 1, 3, 3, sorry, James chapter 1, verse 13. He says this. When, anybody ever been tempted? Yeah? Been tempted in the last 24 hours? Been tempted in the last two hours? Going to tell him what I think. James 1 verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. That's clear. So we know if God doesn't do it, we know there's another source. Okay, let's now follow on and see where that source is. But each one is tempted when and by his own evil desire... He is dragged away and enticed when and by his own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when he's fully grown, gives birth to death. Now let's track the process. Moral decline happens thoughts. Let's put your thoughts there. Moral decline tends to work through thoughts. And we'll see why. So put down your thoughts, write down your thoughts, and that's where your moral decline is. Your temptation is to go follow the moral decline coming into your mind. Or why would it come? Then the thought has to have concept. Conception, I should say. It's like the seed gets in, and then, if you can recognize it straight away and throw it out, no life is created. It doesn't fertilize. You understand what I'm saying? So if you can break it straight away, it has no ground. But if you dwell on it, like I said, let's go back to what I said, good-looking ladies. So I see a good-looking lady. 
Am I daft? Am I blind? No. Do I recognize the Lord's beauty when she's walking towards me? Yes, I do. But I'm also conscious that I'm married. No one has to remind me I'm married. I know I'm married. I have the ring on my finger. Why? Because it's ingrained in me. If she finds me, she'll kill me. Right? So I have a sense of responsibility towards my wife. Responsibility is a good thing. Duty is a good thing. It's called covenant. I need to keep uphold my end of the bargain. She does it. If she doesn't do it, I'll kill her. But I have to uphold my side of the bargain. Carol has to uphold hers. So as it comes in, I know that that lady walking towards me is not mine. Nobody has to tell me. I know. Now she flatters her eyes at me. Does that give me permission? Right, so it starts as a thought. If I like what she's doing and I give her some kind of feedback, I'm letting her fertilize my spirit. She's going she's to defile me. It's not her fault, it's me. Just because she looked at me doesn't mean say I had to give it back. Hello? So, we don't let fertilization take place. Yeah? Because once it's in place, it's alive within us. It's alive within us then. And then it grows. It grows. Now it's not just that woman, it's, it's women. True? And then it's not just women, then it leads into internet porn. Or magazines. It then grows. And it has, it has a life, it has a culture, and it's all living inside of you. All because it was waiting for its opportunity to get in. True? <coughs> so we've gone from moral decline, it starts with a thought, gone into its conception, it, it, it fertilized inside, it's living inside, then it wants to birth an action. Yeah? See, a temptation can be any thought, can be any kind of thought, anything that leads you into depravity or into a moral decline. Yeah? We're not talking about good thoughts now. We're talking about evil thoughts. So then, from a temptation, desire, evil desire rises up. Strong desire. It wants an action. It's kicking inside. It's saying, come on, let's go, let's go and create an action. Let's go and create an action. And how many of you know, the evil de- desi- uh, desire is carnal. It uses your flesh. It uses your imagination. It uses your body. It needs your body. Amen. So from there, once an action has been performed, it then gives birth. Once the action has been performed, the evil is now birthed and it's out in the open. Now you're stained in the open. You were stained way back, but we'll go to that in a minute. The action is the first time you and I saw it. The onlooker, the first time I do that and Carol sees me, but how many of you know it wasn't the first time? That was just the action she witnessed. But the thought might have been two years ago. Might have been six months ago. It's been going on a long time. I wrestled with it. It was inside me because I never confessed it to anyone or to before God. It always wanted to have its day. Everybody see that? So because we don't confess it to each other, we don't bring it before the Father, it just grows and grows and grows and grows and bang! Just as you're trying to get somewhere in God, it manifests. 
So now it's performed and given birth. Then he says here, then you're dragged away and enticed. Yeah? You brought your thoughts to an action. And then he says this, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has fully grown, so that's not the end. That's just the start. So one affair can turn into multiple affairs or whatever it is can grow. Right? And then when it's done that, it gives birth to death is the final place. It's the end of the process. What death? Not physical death, spiritual death. Your spiritual life has been killed. It's been jeopardized. It's been hijacked. Why? Because internally, you negotiated and compromised. Now, has anybody ever done that? Or am I the only one? We've all been there, have we not? James is very clear. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Then he says this. But each one is tempted by, when? By his own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. That's why you can always tell some Christians when they're, when they're in sin. Because you never see them at church. And when the relationship's broken, they're back in church. So you know they've fallen off the horse or the horse has left them. And you can see them back in church. Then you, you get to see the patterns, it's clear. And then he takes, because see, why do I say that? It's because if there's real genuine presence in the church, sinners don't like it. Sinners don't like it. So when you really turn up the heat in the place, sinners either get delivered or they get gone. Amen? Sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. This is why we must have a pure church. God must have a pure church. We're not having church where believers come, sit on the blessed assurance, sing a few songs, go out feeling good. That's not church. That's call whatever you want to call it. But to have church is to have the purity in the hearts and minds of the believers. Lives changed. Moral conscience cleansed. Amen? So God's standards, is one for you, point for you. God's standards must be reached in order to stand in God's presence. God's standards must be reached in order for you and I to stand in his presence. That's why some of us enter his presence in church and some of us stand afar. Because those who have a pure heart are reaching and walking in God's standards. So therefore, they have no problem entering into his presence. Those who are not in God's standards stay on the outside. Oh, they're still in the church. They're still worshipping. They're still enjoying the music. But they never actually enter his presence. Let's Let's not confuse ourselves by when we enter into church and we all start praying, we're in his presence. I entered into his presence this morning. Sensed him on my life. Sensed him speaking to me. I entered his presence. Some of us entered church. Others entered into his presence. Amen? True? How many, how many times have you noticed when you've been at home, you've been at home, your wife's in the house, but you've not really been in her presence? Does that make sense? Because you know whatever you're doing or you've not acknowledged her, and you know you're not got the, you haven't got the love language going. You've got recognition she's in the house or he's in the house, but you haven't got presence yet. So I was at home, I came in, she was there, we watched TV, but we didn't really have any presence. And there's other times when we come in in the house and we acknowledge and there's, there's an emotional connection in the house. 
We're affectionate with each other. We look at each other, acknowledge each other in an affectionate way. We might not be kissing or holding hands or smooching, whatever you want to call it. But, we, 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 but there's an acknowledgement of relationship in the house. Does that make sense? That's how we can do in church. Familiarity stops us connecting. See, some are walking to church enjoying music but never touch God. And not every musician who plays touches God. Each man, each woman must come into the presence of God by clean hands and a pure heart. Amen? To be pure, we need to carry the cleanliness of heart. Your heart must always be clean. Thoughts, motives, actions, all must be clean. Amen? I love this about God. Because he says in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see him. We sang this morning, I want to know you. I want to see him. I read a verse this week and it really tickled me. And I thought, I want to hear that. And it says, God will, God will not only quieten you with his love, but he'll sing over you. And I looked up to everyone and go on, sing me a song. Go on, let me hear you. Sing. I want to hear him sing. Oh, man, it just tickled me. I just thought, I really sense God. I want to pursue you. I want to hear you sing over me. I want to hear what you, I want to hear what you sound like. I want to hear if you can remember words like I can. <laughs> and I want to hear what he sings over me. Papa's going to buy you a brand new. <laughs> and that was the song that came into my head, you know, when he... You know that song? Da, 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 Papa's going to buy you a diamond ring. You know that song? Yeah. I don't think a lot of don't want a diamond ring, but I just, I just had this picture of him, of him having me in his arms and him singing me that lullaby. Oh, it's beautiful. Lord, I want to hear you sing over my life. I'm going to pursue him for it. I'm going all the way. I'm going to hear him sing over me. Amen? That's my, that was something that, Oh, it makes me emotional now thinking about it. It's something that God shared with me. I will sing over you, Tony. I'm a singer. I'm a worshiper. I love him. So why can't, you know, I sang over my kids. Still sing over my kids. Now they say, Dad, shut up. <laughs> sing over me, my granddaughter. She loves it. If he's my father and the spirit within me cries, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, I'm, I'm still his innocence. I want to hear him sing over me. I mean, I'm a bloke. I'm a geezer here. Can you not see? But I still need to have an innocence to hear my father sing over me. But I'll never hear him sing over me if I don't enter his presence in purity. Because a child is pure. That child there, she's not thinking anything impure. It's beautiful. Though the child was born with sin... As you and I was, she's innocent. She looks and she listens with, with innocence. It's beautiful. That's how God wants us to be. But become, it's called mature innocence. Amen? Childlike faith, but mature innocence. So Psalm 73 verse 1, we'll wind it up. Surely God is, Psalm 73 verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet, I'd almost slipped, listen. I'd almost slipped. I almost lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from burdens. Common to man. You're moaning. They're not plagued by human life. 
Therefore, pride is a necklace. They clothe themselves. You're still moaning. From their callous hearts comes iniquity and evil conceit of their minds. Have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. Their arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. And their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, the people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. How can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? Well, he definitely does. David's reading this and he's saying, why is it the wicked all seem to prosper? And I'm laboring to try and keep my heart clean and pure, but I don't seem to be as far on as them. And then the reality comes, but they, they're going to have their end. That's their, their, it looks on the surface like they, they pursue. Because why? Because you're looking, you're looking on the outside, but God looks on the heart. God sees their wicked ways and what their wicked ends will, will produce. We said, David, don't go that way. That's not for you. Stay to what you know. Stick to know what's been revealed on the inside of you, David. Stay with what I've revealed to you. When you sang to me in the desert and you wrote your Psalms and I spoke back to you and gave you the words, David, stick with that. That'll keep you pure. That'll keep you clean. David understood that he needed a clean hand and he needed a pure heart. If he was going to serve God, he needed both. Hands that touch. Heart that reaches out. Jesus said in John 15, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Thank God. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. How can a man keep his way pure? Remain in me. You're already clean. Why? Because we've already been forgiven. We move from, we move from that place. We, we are clean because of the word that we have received. Because of, the, of what Christ did on the cross and the word he has given us, we are clean. But we are moving into purity. We have to maintain what we've got and stay clean. So that we can move into purity. Do you understand this, church? We must do it. We must remain clean. No one's saying you're not clean. Unless you've got sin in your life and you're abundantly aware of it, then you're not clean. But if you've got no conscious sin in your life right now, you're clean. Don't go looking for it if it's not there. Because the enemy will, t- will lie to you. Amen? But you're clean because of the word. So right now I can stand before my father clean. And I can say, Lord, if there's, any, if there's anything in my heart that's not clean, Lord, forgive me right now. And through that c- c- confession before the father, the blood of, of Christ can, can cleanse me right there and then. I don't have to, have to go counseling. I don't have to go crying and stamping me, me, you know, me hands on, on like a little child. Oh, Lord, I can't get clean. I can't get clean. Yes, I can. I can stand in his presence and he can cleanse me. Right? But then there's areas. Have you noticed? There's areas that we don't seem to keep clean very long. You notice that? They become strongholds. That's when we need help. That's when we need more of the word. That's when we need, that's when we need uh, strategies. That's when we need uh, key words coming into our life, people to help us. Why? To keep us clean, to move us into purity. If you'll keep coming back to God every day or every week saying the same things again, then something's wrong. Then you've used your license to keep sinning. And your, own car- your old carnal nature has not been reprogrammed. You can no longer live by the old nature. But the old nature will constantly keep popping up. But as long as you recognize that, don't live by it. You live by the new spirit that's been created. It's called a new recreated spirit man within you. I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. So he gave us, and this, I'm closing promise. 
you've all got an, in, an internal virus checker. Antivirus, firewall, living on the inside. It's called the Spirit of God. He makes you conscious of what's not right. He brings to your mind your sin. He brings to mind your doubt. He brings to mind your guilt. Why? Not so he can kill you, but he, he's, on, he's working on the inside. He's like your virus checker says, you don't want to go on that site, on the internet. You notice that? Don't go there. Antivirus has detected some nasty things. Don't go on it. But the fool says, no, let's click on it. Let's just see what's in there. But as you go on it, it's already told you, don't go on it. Because there are things attached on the other side that you don't want on your computer, on your hard drive. Amen? So in the spirit, the Holy Spirit warns you. He says, don't go there. Don't think like that. Don't have that conversation. Don't meet with those people. Don't do this. Don't do that. Why? The Holy Spirit's telling you it's not good for you. But then you can turn the virus, off, uh, the virus warning off. You can turn it. You can ignore it. You can switch it off. So then the voice gets less and less and less and less in that area. And the Holy Spirit won't talk to you in that area again. You know why? Because you become dead in that area. He'll speak to me in other areas. And this is where the deceit of sin comes in. Because as you function in other areas, you think God's blessing you. This is where preachers who, are having, who get themselves in a mess, they think because the signs and wonders is flowing over here, God has somehow pardoned their behavior. And it meant that before it gave birth to sin, the Holy Spirit had been warning them, don't do it. Don't do it, 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 don't do it. Until eventually they can't hear him in that area and they become dead. And then it all goes on and then bang, beware your sins will find you out. And then you found out about it. But guess what? You were a year behind. The Holy Ghost virus was on the inside and it was warning him, right? I'm warning you and he's warning me right now. Live. By the word. If you want to keep your heart clean and pure, then you must live by the word. You must not lift up idols. You must not swear by what's false. You must keep God, short accounts with God. Keep your virus checker on. The voice of the Holy Spirit is telling you. Sometimes you just feel a little knot inside your stomach. You feel a little thought. And you think, okay, Holy Ghost, I'm not going to do it. He says, young man, flee from temptation. Run the other way. All temptation starts in your mind. So when it's up there and you see the little virus checker go, doot, 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 the red light's flashing. If you're in the presence of God and your heart is moving towards purity, you will see the slightest dot in your life. God will magnify it and say, get it out. Get it out. Because we can't live bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever it is. Get it out. We can't, we can't, I can't dwell there. We can't expect God, you know, you and I can sit in a room and talk and pretend like the issue's never there. God can't. God says, if you're going to come, in my, if you're going to come into my room, we're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to kill the elephant in the room. But we can do that, can't we? We've learned how to adapt. God isn't going to adapt. He's God. Amen? So, let's stand to our feet if we can, please.
This week we're going to pursue God in your life, in your relationship with God. I want you to pursue him. Oh, you liked the idea of him singing over you, didn't you? Did you? Would you like the idea of daddy holding you in your arms? Daddy's going to buy you a dog. You, like you all like the idea of that? But guess what? You have to be in his presence. You have to give yourself to him so he can hold you in his arms. That's the clay on the potter's wheel. Put your life in his hands, church. Put your life in his hands. Put your life in his hands. I say it again. Put your life in his hands. Say, Lord, take me, take me from cleanliness into purity. Create in me a pure heart, oh God. Give me a steadfast spirit. Come on, let's raise your hands right now and ask him. God, put me in your hands. I bring my life once again back to the, the wheel. Make me in your image and in your likeness. Transform my life from the inside out. Take me. Mold me. Make me. Oh, Lord. The vessel that you said that you would make. Lord, make me. Come on, church. Just talk to him for a minute. Lord, I've not been pure in heart. I've not been pure. And I've not seen you for... A long time, Lord. I've heard about you, but I've not seen you. I desire to see you and know you, Lord. Break over me, oh God. Break over me. Bring me into purity. Start with my mind. Start with my heart. Clean my hands up. The things I've touched and I shouldn't have touched. Lord, redirect my feet. The paths I've taken weren't good. Redirect them, oh God. My heart, oh God, has longed and, and, and has been enticed into so many areas. Lord, Block it off. Block me off from temptation, oh God. I don't, want to be, I don't want to live a deceitful life. I don't want to live a lie. I want to be open and clean and pure. Holy Spirit, come in right now. Right now, Holy Spirit, come on, bring him in. Right now, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Cleanse those areas. Cleanse all unrighteousness. Cleanse all areas that are dirty. All areas that I'm, clean, I'm uncleaning. Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, clean me out right now. By your word, the word that you've spoken, Lord, right now, I want to be clean by that same word. I want to be clean by that same word that Jesus spoke to his disciples. It's the same word that you're speaking to me. I'm clean, oh God, because of your word. Oh, Father. So bring your life back onto, into the cleansing of God right now. Now you've cleansed me, oh God, and you've forgiven me, oh God. I thank you. As a child, I stand up again, Lord. Thank you. Even if you're not conscious of committing any sin, just say, Lord, search me once again. Let, 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 the, let the virus checker go. Switch it on a minute. Lord, search me. Scan me. Scan me.